On today's episode of the Globetrotter Lounge, I am excited to have a special guest, Libby Wagner, poet, coach, speaker, author, amazing woman who has created a life that truly integrates the work, personal, and travel aspects all in one. Very inspiring. I loved talking with her, and I'm sure you're going to love this episode of the Globetrotter Lounge. You're listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, conversations with women travelers who have found creative ways to travel more for less. With your host, travel hacker and online course creator, Jet Set Lizette. Hey everyone, this is Jet Set Lizette, and before I push play on this episode of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, I'd like to invite you to download my Globetrotter Roadmap to Free Travel. It breaks down the steps I've taken to rack up and consistently maintain over a million airline miles and hotel points over the last five years. So far, I've saved almost $90,000 in travel costs, and so can you. You can get it for free at RoadmapToFreeTravel.com. And if you want even more guidance, my online course, Jet Set 101, Becoming a Travel Hacker, teaches you everything you need to know to leverage the incredible travel credit card sign-up bonuses that are out there and start traveling for practically free. Along with video course modules, you also get the tools and resources that I use to successfully travel hack without going into debt or damaging my credit score. And it includes access to me through monthly coaching calls. You can get more information at jetset101course.com. Hello and welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge. And today I am super excited to have Libby Wagner here as my guest. And she is really amazing. Libby's a poet, author, and speaker, and is one of the only former poetry professors warmly invited into the boardroom. Libby is a trusted advisor for presidents, CEOs, and executive directors, and her work has shaped the cultures of numerous Fortune 500 clients, including the Boeing Company, Nike, Philips, SAP, and Costco. An award-winning faculty member, Libby holds a Master's of Fine Arts and Poetry and is a graduate of the prestigious Million Dollar Consulting College. She was honored as a 2014 Nellie Cashman Woman Business Owner of the Year and has been quoted in the New York Times and the Harvard Business Review. Her monthly column, The Culture Coach, is a fantastic resource for thousands of business owners in the retail industry. She's also the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Influencing Option, The Art of Building a Profit Culture in Business. Poetry collections like this, like that, and somehow... And 2016's What Will You Do With Your 90,000 Hours? The Boardroom Poet's Thoughts on Work. In 2015, Libby released Harvest, a poetry music compilation in collaboration with Irish musician Owen O'Sullivan. And you can also find her inspiring TED Talk, Own Your Voice, on YouTube. So obviously she's done a lot, and the reason why I've invited her here today is because she has really integrated travel into her personal and professional life in sort of a fascinating and creative way, a way that inspires me greatly and I would love to learn more about. So with that, um, I just want to say welcome and glad to have you here, Libby. Thank you so much, Lisa. It is my pleasure. I'm excited about our conversation today. I love talking about travel. Great. Yes, I'm totally excited to hear everything you've been doing. Um, and, you know, um, what I always like to do is start off really more at the beginning before I launch. I mean, clearly you've done a lot of amazing things. You're doing some work that I 
I'm still almost mystified by. (laughs) (laughs) But um, before we go right there, I would like to start back maybe, you know, childhood, um, teen years. What really got you first interested in travel? Or maybe you weren't so interested in travel back then, but what was life for you as a kid? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And recently, I was doing some writing, and I began by saying, I began moving before I was even born. And the reason that I say that is because um, I was actually born in Spain. And um, my mother got on an airplane uh, when she was pregnant, and flew back to Madrid, where she had lived and where her parents lived. And uh, that's where I was born. And Then I was part of a military family until I was 17 years old, so we moved about every two years. Sometimes we did travel on vacations, family vacations. Not very much, though, because we were always moving from place to place to place. So it's funny because no matter where I go, whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure or often both – I always think, hmm, could I live here? Could I live here? And I don't know if everyone does that, but that I know those seeds were planted in the beginning. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's like it was just from birth. You were already. I was already. I I didn't have a passport, but I was internationally (laughs) traveling before I was born. Yes. Okay. So, so as you were kind of, you know, becoming a young adult or in the, in that time, were you thinking about travel then or did that come later? I think I always wanted to travel. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they hear I grew up in the military, they want to know if I was, um, we were stationed um, overseas. That's what you say when you're in the military, overseas. And um, my father went to Vietnam twice. Mm-hmm. We stayed in the United States. So I, I was interested in it. Uh, I um, My very first trip to Europe was as a junior in high school. I, um, my parents were really smart. They said, you know, if you save your money, we'll, we'll contribute to this. And I got to go spend two weeks in Europe, um, which was just like a taste of, you know, like far too many locations. But, um, but I really, really wanted to go back and it took me a long time to do it. Okay. But that, again, that seed was already in there Mm -hmm. and having that experience sort of made you think, okay, this is, this is, I've got to, I've got to come back. This is what I want to do. Um, so Okay, so what happened next? What what happened? It's you were a professor. You mm-hmm. ended up being a pro- poetry professor. So I assume you studied um, writing in college, that kind of thing. I did. I um, I have degrees in English and um, and poetry. And right out of college, at age twenty one, I began teaching um, high school first, and did that for a few years. And then I went back and taught at the college level for almost eighteen years total. And um, while I was teaching, I didn't travel. In fact, I, I didn't take a vacation for a really, really long time. Mm. And um, although I had studied a couple of foreign languages and I was really interested in going to places like um, Spain and Mexico because I had studied Spanish, I didn't go because I had a story that I couldn't afford it or I couldn't take the time. Um, and so for many, many years, I didn't travel. I just thought about it. Okay. So that went on for a long time with just this sort of background idea. Oh, I'd love to do that, but mm-hmm. that's what other people do. Yeah. People don't have regular jobs. 
Exactly. You know, in, in my particular situation, I just, yeah, that would be great maybe when I retire. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it was so interesting because um, really kind of a pivotal moment in my life uh, happened when um, I lost my sister, Karen, to breast cancer. And after that happened, of course, um, a lot of things in my life became luminous. And I left my teaching job. I left my tenured job. And I actually took a job working in state government for a while. And when I found out I was going to lose my job, I, I decided to go to Mexico. Now, like, like, that's just like a totally strange thing, right? Like, I should have been like, okay, get your resume ready. Look for a job. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to Mexico. And so I went down to Mexico with some other writer friends and took time there. And what was interesting about being there and traveling there at the time was that I ended up in a conversation where someone said, well, if you could do anything, money were no object, like, what would you do? And so through the travel experience and being in another place, I dreamed up my new life. Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. So that decision to go to Mexico, you know, I think the guests I've had so far on my show, they almost always at some point go to Mexico. That's where it starts. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, like, a, it's a pretty magic place, Mexico. Yeah. You're like, and then I went to Mexico. Yeah. And it's a rite of passage. Yeah, it's a rite of passage, yeah. Mexico. Yeah. So, so when you went to Mexico... Yeah, just maybe tell me a little bit about that mentality of just when you 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 know quit your job, and you're like, I'm going to go to Mexico. What mm -hmm. what were you? What do you remember? Kind of what you were thinking at that time? Well, I think that you know when sometimes when something stressful or intense happens, it's like you go and visit a different country anyway. So a high emotional state. You, you know, like grief or loss or, you know, big kinds of change. It's almost like you, you pack your psychic bags and you travel to a different country anyway. Mm. And I think that for me, actual literal travel began to come out of those kinds of things. Now, now I don't wait for something traumatic to happen to travel. Um, but what I understand is that, um, you know, I'm sure you get to talk about this a lot, you know, how our perspective changes, mm -hmm. how we begin to have internal conversations about our lives and our work and things that matter. And so sometimes traveling to a space or a place outside of the ordinary is what helps create that kind of, you know, psychic space for that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that packing our psychic bags. Um, you know, I think, um, well, this pivotal point that launched you in a new direction, um, <clears throat> it seems like a lot of people get to some place in their life where they're just ready to just pack those psychic bags. It just, you kind of have to, mm -hmm. there's no other option, mm -hmm. you know, it's different how it happens for us. But at any rate, um, so then you began to create a new life for yourself. And what did that look like when you started in this new direction? Mm -hmm. Well, um, when I decided to start a consulting business and decided to go and work inside organizations, it didn't really make much sense because as you've, as, as we've already confessed here, I don't have an MBA. I have an MFA. And, uh, but I felt like I had some talents about working with teams and groups and that I could actually use those talents to, uh, work with people to help them have different relationships to their work and their lives. And it was sort of a philosophy that I was developing over time. And 
I, there, it makes no sense. I didn't know I could be an entrepreneur. Um, but then when I began to create that business, I ended up uh, working with an international community of consultants. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all of a sudden, I had people I knew all over the world. I had friends I knew all over the world. And I began to say yes to this idea that I could travel to other places, work from other places, work in other places. And that was something that I'd never, I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because of the networking you were doing is what I'm hearing. Um, you started realizing, wait a minute, I could go and collaborate with that person or. Yeah, I think it gave me permission initially. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that's, you know, one thing I think about when we think about all the benefits of travel or anything that we could do in our lives that brings us joy and fulfillment and enrichment. We sort of have to give ourselves permission to do it. So I think initially the first thing was like, oh, okay, well, if I get a client in New York or I know someone in England or I want to go to attend an event in Australia, okay, that's a good reason for me to travel. Mm-hmm. Like that I could legitimize it. But then it began to shift. And so, for example, I know we're not there yet, but for example, last year I spent a month in France and Greece and then another three weeks in Ireland. And while I was there, I was traveling and enjoying and taking time with friends, but I was working from there too. Mm -hmm. And this year I'll spend six weeks in Ireland hosting two special events, uh, doing some of my own writing there, and my coaching business will continue while I'm in Ireland. Wow. Okay. So... Let's talk about that business that you have. I'm sure, you know, that's what I want to know. Okay. So mm-hmm. what does this business look like? Um, cause clearly you've, you've arrived at a point now where you are able to set things up so you can be in Ireland teaching, writing, and then, uh, working from there. So what is, what does your business look like as a poet, speaker? Mm hmm. Tell me a little bit more about what Yeah, it, what well, I mean, I work in the past 12 years, I've worked with organizations and leaders to help them change their culture, primarily through language and mindset and the way they interact with each other. So some of the things are very practical, like how do you have a courageous conversation? How do you confront someone respectfully? Those are the things that get in the way of our, you know, doing the things we want to do at work. So I wrote a book in 2010. And when that came out, that was a way of introducing me to the business world in a different way. But I also became um, really interested in how I could design a life that was filled with meaningful work and also had beauty and adventure and uh, learning and connection, those kinds of things that I really value. And so I began to just think about like, how could I do this? So sometimes my work requires me to be in person with people. Obviously, if I'm speaking, although I'm doing a speaking thing in a couple months and, you know, half the people will be virtual, but, you know, for the most part, um, I think I'm pretty good in person. And so I like to show up and be in person when I work with teams and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've done that in different places around the world, but my coaching, you know, we can use technology now to, I, talk to people on Skype and Zoom. That right. way you can see one another's faces. We can have that kind of connection. But I can be doing it from, you know, a little island in Greece, or I can be doing it from, um, you know, Connemara, where I'm going to be this year. And you're working primarily with companies. 
Well, I work with companies and individuals. And individuals. And okay. individuals. Okay. So um, sometimes in my trusted advisor and coaching work, it's an individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes mentor entrepreneurs. So those are people, you know, like yourself who are launching businesses and creating their own businesses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I work with people like that. Um, and then sometimes I work with teams. Like I'm going to go and hang out in DC and West Virginia in a few weeks and, and work with a new team there. And Great. so that'll be cool. That's great. And so did you have any coaching? I know right now coaching's kind of growing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very um, kind of emerging, growing, I don't want to say industry, but, you know, business. Oh, I would call industry. it an industry. You bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, were you someone who had any, like, there's a lot of courses you can take mm-hmm. and, you know, did yeah. you do any of that? Uh, I didn't. I mean, I worked with a mentor, a business mentor when I first started my business because honestly, I didn't, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I was, mm-hmm. I had been an academic and an artist. And I, when I came back from Mexico, I was like, well, there must be a book on this somewhere. <laughs> so, um, but I got a really good business mentor whom I worked with for about 10 years who really helped me learn how to talk about business and be in business and talk about fees and all that kind of stuff that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful. Um, and so his coaching and mentoring and that international community of consultants, they were really kind of like my people in the beginning in terms Mm -hmm. of, of how to create that. And, um, but I didn't take a course, you know, I had spent, I've, if, you know, if you, if I, if you say to me, well, Libby, like, what do you do? I would tell you that I've spent my whole life helping people find their voices. Hmm. Now, when I was a teacher and, um, you know, worked inside, um, organ, you know, colleges and, and universities, it was through writing. It was through performance. Um, with now with leaders, it's about how they show up, what their voices are like when they're trying to, you know, envision and lead an organization. If it's entrepreneurs, it's about how can you be completely bold about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so my work as a poet, you know, a language, you know, word nerd is what I call myself <laughs> often. You know, this is how I help people. So, so I had been advising and coaching and doing those things for a long time. So at the time, I chose not to get a certification. Okay. I looked at it. I thought about it. Yep. But I but I decided not to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love it how you're like, I, I think I can do this and I'm going to do this. And and I think that, uh, you know, mentoring others on being bold, like you said, entrepreneurs being bold. And I hear a lot of being bold in your story. And I think with travel, travel is a lot about being bold, especially once we try to, you know um, – figure out ways to get where we want to go for me, you know, figuring out how to rack up miles and points, whatever. But it was like, people, people would say, well, isn't that scary or risky? Or are are you doing something strange? You know, I'm like, I don't think so. And I'm just going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And whoops, then you end up flying around the world, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts with just saying, I can do this. I can be bold. Um, So, okay. So let's talk about the travel piece. And when did you start? Okay. What was one of your first memorable trips that you were able to kind of, you know, incorporate your work life, your personal life, and you're you're traveling and you're like, wow, this is this is working. I want to do more of this. I think the first way I began looking about it was at was when I first started doing consulting work in different cities in the United States. Um, you know, I would book my travel and I would fly that place, do the work, fly home. 
mm -hmm. it would be like, like, let's get in, let's get out. What room am I in? The hotels mm -hmm. all look the same, you know, that kind of thing. Then I thought, okay, wait a minute. This isn't why I became an entrepreneur. Like I'm going to these cool cities, but like, I don't know these cities. I don't, I don't, I don't know the people or the food or the art or anything. And so I began then changing the way that I would show up in a city. So for example, um, I, one thing I love to do is take a bicycle tour of a city because it's nice. this amazing way to actually see a city and you're not on like the ordinary tour bus thing, right? Mm -hmm. Plus you get a little activity in there and that always makes me feel good. Or I would go and I would research the city before I would go and I would say like, what kind of concerts, what kind of art exhibits, what kind of special things are going on that I could actually experience, you know? And so I would extend my trip. I would either arrive a couple days early or stay a couple days later. Mm -hmm. And so I began to see that travel as a part of my work was also like a benefit for me. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I wouldn't charge my clients for the extra night I might stay or something like that. Right. But the truth is the client was paying for the flight there. Right. So when I arrived and when I left didn't really matter to them. Right. And, um, so that was one of the ways that I, that I began doing it. And, um, for example, I love this uh, company in New York called Bike the Big Apple. And I've been on several of their tours, like across the Brooklyn Bridge and up through Harlem and, they're amazing. And, um, and I was so excited about it. And I wrote such a glowing testimonial that Alaska Airlines magazine reached out to me and, and interviewed me for a, like, what do business travelers do kind hmm. of, you know, edition of one of the articles they wrote a few years ago. So Great. I love doing that kind of thing. I'd love to, uh, include a link to that article maybe in my, uh, post about this, this interview. Um, so, okay. So then you realize I could extend my, my travel. I can start to, have a personal experience beyond the professional gig. Um, and at which point did it start becoming maybe even bigger? You're mentioning, for example, now that you you will be in Ireland for an extended period of time or that you've spent time, you know, longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. And you start realizing, oh, I could work from here mm -hmm. for a while. When did, how did that evolve? Well, I think initially um, some of that came out of, so one thing I did when I, when I started my business is I made a decision. I mean, I've been, I've been a learner my whole life. So I made a decision as an entrepreneur, which feels a little bit counterintuitive because most people, when they're doing startup business, you know, they're, they're, they're really cautious about their expenses. They're paying close attention. They don't want to spend too much money. And I began thinking about it like, okay, how can I invest in myself? So if there was a chance for me and I would set aside a certain amount of money every year, and I'd say, this is my professional development money, professional slash personal, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so if there was a workshop that was going to be offered in, you know, like a U.S. city or an international city, I'd pick the international one. Mm -hmm. And so I began to go to places like Australia, New Zealand, you know, um, London, um, um, where else would I go? Like the Bahamas, you know, something like that, where I would choose to go to a beautiful place for my development because A, it was a write-off for my business. Right. And B, like I was getting to do this thing of like, okay, let's create a life that includes all these things we want, beauty, connection, learning, um, and things like that. So that's another way that I began to do that. Okay. In terms of 
Um, you know, like, how did I say, oh, can I work from here? Now, the trickiest part is the time zone thing. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, right. I always tell people I have time zone dyslexia. And I need, you know how some people, they're afraid they won't wake up in the morning, so they have, like, four alarms yes. set? Like, that's how I am for time zones. <laughs> because I've completely screwed up things, you know, by by being like, oh, yeah, no, that's a different time zone. And <laughs> I just now have booked myself midnight, you know? Oops. And so, uh, luckily, Maria, my assistant, helps me with that. But um, so usually... Usually what I do now, if I'm going to be in a place, I will block out time and I will say, okay, this is the time frame during which I'm going to do coaching calls, business calls, things like that. And then I organize my time around that. You know, the other thing that happened, I will tell you, is that the second time I went for kind of a, a, tr- a trip to Mexico, I think I do think Mexico is kind of a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, it was the first trip I took after I started my business. And I remember calling my mentor because I was having a lot of anxiety before I left. And he said, well, what's going on? And I said, okay, I really need a break. I really need a vacation. But, like, I don't have an assistant. I don't have anyone answering my phones. Like, what if people call me mm-hmm. while I'm on vacation? You know, and he was like, calm down. <laughs> and he really helped me look at, wait, you don't have a work life and a personal life. You have a life. So when I travel now, what I do is – in the mornings, I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes. I'll check my email. I'll respond to calls. I'll do things like that. Then I turn that off. Mm-hmm. And then I go and I'm like, you know, hiking or walking or doing whatever, going to the market. Then in the evening, I do it again. I touch back to my business and come back to that so that it helps me actually look at my life in a way that is integrated rather than separate. Yeah. And I love that idea of of integrating and that it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm living my life and then I put my life on hold. You know, I'm working, I'm productive. I put my life on hold and I go on this trip. Um, I think I've done that a lot of times. Um, and that fosters for me an, an idea that I therefore can't go on a trip until I'm somehow cleared to go on a trip. Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of oh, I can just keep living my life, but be over here. And I know it's not always easy to create that. And we don't all have, you know, the ability, we have a regular job, we have Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time off. Mm -hmm. But just even opening the mind to that idea, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I could explore ways perhaps to work. Or one of my guests had the idea of saving up all of her vacation time to do a longer trip and really, you know, have an extended journey instead of just a short, you know, so she could like go there and kind of make a home base for five weeks. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things I think are really interesting to think about travel and sort of the way that I see travel now, because of course, not everyone has an entrepreneurial job that has this level of flexibility. Not everyone would be interested in that. Some people like to stay home, you know, like for, for long periods of time, which I don't actually do. So, you know, that, that's not attractive to some people, you know, um, actually my friend Owen said, oh my gosh, you have diamond status. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. You know, you know? That means you're never home, you know. Right. But um, but I think, you know, looking at travel from a couple of different, um, you know, angles. I mean, one is, you know, that idea of like, what does it mean to enter another country? 
What does it mean to enter another space? Like, how will you be in that space? What can you gain from it? What can you learn from it? How will you be transformed by it? Um, you know, I'm thinking about when I used to do triathlons and I loved the dance skin had this saying, the woman who begins the race is not the same woman who finishes it. Mm. And I think, you know, like that's how I also look at travel. You know, um, I'm changed for my time in, in uh, France last year. I'm changed by that. And so I get to come back to my life in a different way. So whether I'm working a regular job and I'm saving up my vacation time and then I'm going to go to a space, it's like, in you know, in what manner am I entering that, you know, that travel space? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing I would say, like, this is my best advice to anyone who's like planning a really cool trip. And you know how people say, oh, it's the trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And I resist saying that because I don't want any trip to be like the only trip I'm going to take, you know? Right. Um, years ago, I began you know, when I would go to France or when I go to Paris, like I stopped going to the Louvre. Now I went this past year when I was there, but we kill ourselves trying to see every darn thing instead of, um, what if you just went to see one exhibit mm. and you got to really enjoy it? You know, I mean that you see, it's sort of like my friend who um, used to live near Disney world. And she said when she and her, her, her sons were little, they would go and they would do the find a happy princess activity. And they could never find a happy princess because <laughs> the kids were all exhausted and crying because oh. everybody was trying to do too much in one day. So yeah. anyway, I kind of have that, like, I want to look like a happy princess when I'm traveling <laughs> right. instead of one who's like exhausted and worn out. Yes. No, that's very good advice. Um, and okay. So a couple things. One is, you know, the, the travel hacker in me just has to ask this question. So as you're traveling for work, mm-hmm. the more you're able to do that, then I'm assuming you do get miles and things like when the client's paying mm-hmm. for the trip. Obviously, you're accruing miles. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that got me into travel hacking was I was jealous of people who traveled for work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're getting all these miles. It's mm-hmm. not fair. So I'm assuming you started having that happen mm-hmm. so that you could also take other trips, right, on your own. Absolutely. Last year, I flew to Paris first class for $126. Sweet. Yep. I love that stuff. Yeah. So that's a benefit of building a life that includes work that pays for travel. Yes. Um, And then staying places, I guess, similarly, you accrue, if you're staying in a hotel, do you have your favorite hotel chain or whatever, and then you get points from that or... Yeah, I think, and it depends too on what kind of experience I want to right. have. So, um, I do tend to stick with certain, if I'm going to stay in a hotel, like yeah. a chain of some kind, um, I will stick with the same ones mm-hmm. because then I do accrue points. But the other thing is that I often get upgraded mm-hmm. because, um, this is one thing that I will do when I show up at a hotel is I will sit, they'll be like, Oh, Miss Wagner, so nice to see you. And I'll say, great. Tell me about my room do you have any upgrades and i just kind of smile and flirt and flirting is just you know enjoying yourself in the presence of another person it doesn't have to lead anywhere and um so for example this past weekend i was in portland and uh i i mean i was so excited i was staying in a room that had like a purple chandelier and a chaise lounge and a jetted tub and all these things, right? Because I've been there before and I'm friendly and I ask, do you have Mm -hmm. any upgrades? Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, I, w- I didn't pay any extra. So it was the same as the ordinary room I would have gotten. But a lot of times they're happy to do that because yeah. nobody's staying in it, you know. So Good I always ask, always. That might seem like an obvious, you know, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, of course. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think I've actually ever asked. Isn't that silly? So, yeah. you know, so you gotta ask. I've had got upgrades, any upgrades happen, yeah. but not because I was like, hey, you got anything for me? So, um, okay, so you you do accrue miles, points, mm-hmm. sometimes or many times from your mm-hmm. work travel. Uh, any other places that you've stayed, meaning like types of lodging? So, mm-hmm. you know, I've interviewed an international pet sitter. I'm assuming you don't incorporate pet sitting into your work. But any other types of places, Airbnb, people's homes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Monastery. So, um, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> a utilized Airbnb and, you know, all kinds of tools now looking at TripAdvisor, reading reviews, things like that. That makes things pretty fun, um, to, you know, to do, um, uh, had a crazy harrowing experience in New Orleans once where, um, it kind of looked like the TripAdvisor photos, but it was a little scary. And so, you know, I was, I was, calling in the middle of the night going, give me a Marriott, you know, but, <laughs> right. but, uh, ordinarily though, uh, I do a couple of things. So one, um, I think about again, what kind of experience do I want to have? Um, I like staying when I travel internationally, I like staying in B and B's because then I get to talk to the people who live in that mm-hmm. country because they're hosting, you know, so you go down for your breakfast or you're asking for a recommendation for dinner or things like that. You get to talk to people. Um, I've absolutely shamelessly used, uh, Rick Steve's recommendations mm-hmm. for a lot of European, uh, locations and, um, cause I feel like they've been vetted. I think the other thing is m- when I meet people from different places in the world, I ask them, where would you stay? Right. What, you know, if you were going to recommend something. So, um, you know, I had a great experience where I went and stayed at a Benedictine monastery for um, four days um, outside of um, in County Limerick in Ireland at Glenstall Abbey and um, ate dinner with the monks, um, you know, got to walk the grounds and like it was beautiful wow. and it was really inexpensive and um, clean and a bit Spartan, but not uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's different than the you know chandeliered, right? You know, thing in in uh, in Portland. But I like both of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I snuck that in when I said you know any yeah. places you stay, Airbnbs, yeah. monasteries. Yeah. Because <laughs> you mentioned that before yeah. we uh, started this, and I really found that interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, so it sounds like keeping that adventure going and not always just you know uh, doing the the normal thing. Right. Like I also try to think outside the box, like, well, yeah, I could look on Airbnb or I could stay at a hotel. I love the Hyatt. But what if I looked into renting a castle, you know, or like, is that even possible? Do I have enough money? I don't know. But, you know, just asking questions and seeing what else is out there. Absolutely. So, okay. And then any, any um, challenges along the way as you've begun to do more things like okay, you have a workshop coming up. I don't know how many workshops you've hosted or led internationally, but mm-hmm. any challenges with with living this lifestyle of going places, hosting things, or working from a different country? Anything that comes to mind that you'd want to share, maybe? Well, I think that it's really great to have a local resource to help you. Um, and I'm lucky because the two things I have coming up in Ireland, I'm working with Irish people who are helping me, mm-hmm. um, you know, do those things. They're the ones who, 
who um, helped to vet the locations. And it, I mean, one of them might've been there, but um, they're the ones who are finding our caterers and our yoga instructors and, you know, like just the people, the local people there. And part of that also is because I'm trying to create an experience that is not about a bunch of Americans sort of descending upon a country, but like how to give people who will come an actual immersive experience into a particular culture and be inspired by that. So I think, you know, when, when you have local resources, that's really great. Um, one of the things I love about traveling with my friend Owen O'Sullivan and his family is that, you know, we never go to any place that has a tourist bus. Mm. Like I've been to Ireland mm. a lot and I've been to a lot of places and he hosts his own tour there called Tourist Donham, which is, um, the, the trip of the soul. And, um, like, you know, I'm going to places where there are no tourist buses. And, and that to me is important because it's a particularly different kind of travel. Now, not to say, cause this is another strategy I have when I go to a big city, um, is I, I will, I'll will buy a ticket to a hop on, hop off, you know, mm-hmm. red bus tour. And I'll do that for an hour with the cheesy headphones, yep. you know, because I'm getting the lay of the land. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go back to that museum and yep. I'm going to go to that park or I'm going to go to that restaurant. And that gives you like an over view too, you know, so I use that with a combination of looking at the things that I want to see. But I think overall, it's the idea of what kind of experience do you want to have in this location? That's not your home. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, Lisa, I want to be able to get to places to see different things, but the place that I sleep, I really want it to be quiet. Mm. And so that's important to me because I'm not going to choose a place that's up above a nightclub in Soho. Like I'm not right. going to pick that place in New right. York, you know. Um, whereas somebody else, they might want that experience and that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, then they look for that. So I think that, you know, like what kind of experience do I want to have? Yeah. Okay. And what would you say, I mean, certainly travel always changes us, right? Um, but how has your life changed since you started? Well, how long have you been doing your own consulting? Uh, this is my 13th year. 13th, yeah. Okay, so it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. So as you've incorporated more travel, you know, how how do you feel like your life's changed internally? I mean, clearly on the outside, you're traveling more. Mm-hmm. Great. But internally, how has this changed you? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I would say. I mean, one is that for better or for worse, we have a very um, American-centric way of thinking about ourselves in the world, thinking about our politics in the world, thinking about our um, who we are. And I think that when you travel to another place, um, they have different uh, sources for news and media and politics and history. And so part of being in conversation with a new city or country is hearing about yourself, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what it means to be in the world. So I know that my own perspective, my own um, thinking about what it means to be an American traveling abroad, what it means to be, you know, a person that can travel Mm -hmm. and, um, and, um, and how I want to participate in those conversations in my own country and other countries. I think those were some of the first kind of startling things, you Mm. know, that I would sort of hear like people say, and, um, and it helped me understand how when we don't travel, we can become very insulated and insular in our thinking mm-hmm. and uh, in our beliefs. So I think I think that's um, that's really important uh, way that that I've been changed by travel. I also think that 
you know, most of the time, so I tra- most of the time I travel alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I meet up with friends or meet up with groups in, you know, these different places. Like when I was talking about last summer, it was sort of like I'd be five days with somebody, then five days by myself, seven days by myself. And mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of that. I, I love it. I pay attention to it. And um, and it pushes my edges, you know, it, it pushes my edges because I want to be courageous and safe, but it also pushes my edges because I have to be out there being interacting with people, you know, who are not who are not like me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, last year I did this really cool thing where I went and spent a week in the village of Sancerre in France and I went to French school. And, um, so for half the day I would take classes in French language and I could speak like two, three French words before I got there, you know? (laughs) So I was serious beginner. Um, and, uh, and then the afternoons, the homework was that you had to wander around in the village and use your French, you know? And it was so funny because the first couple of days I was there, I was like, this school has gone and told everyone to not speak English to us, <laughs> right? No, they just don't speak English, you know? And so it, it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's a constant sort of like jostling of, you know, like the way you think about things and experience things. And, you know, there's a philosopher who said you can't actually enter a country without speaking its language. And so I think that that means many different things, the literal, literal language for sure. But, um, but also just like what you begin to think about and learn about yourself, you know, when you go to places that are out of the ordinary for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, love that you went and did a French, you know, participated in a French school. I think I think, you know, as Americans, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't broadly speak for all Americans, but I do feel like we're so spoiled with our English language that we can just throw around anywhere. And I'm still kind of amazed at how few people think to like go and take a class while they're at the location, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I have a funny story, actually. So I went to Greece last year, and I was there to, uh, for a couple of weeks, and I'd never been to Greece before. And I love – another thing I love to do is I love to go find live music when I'm, mm, when I'm yes. visiting a location. So I found this little restaurant um, uh, in this village called Kamari, and I, I was just – completely crazy about these two musicians. One was this bazooki player. Hmm. And, um, you know, he was kind of adorable and sweet and he was just so talented and we were smiling at each other. And, and so finally, you know, like after I'd been to see them like four times, I was like, okay, I'm going to go tell them how much I love their music and how like, it's really, it's made Greece come alive for me, you know? So I walk up to him and he has no English, not one word. Like all he could do was look at me and say, American. <laughs> and so then I was like, Google Translate, right? So the thing about Greek is it doesn't even look like English, right? right? So so I don't know if what I'm typing in there that says, thank you for your music, I'm inspired, I'm a poet, you know, it's not saying like something weird like, <laughs> I'm wearing a blue backpack, you know, <laughs> right. or whatever, <laughs> you know. And it was this very funny exchange where I think the only English words he said to me were American, Facebook. I mean, like that's <laughs> all we could say to each other. And it was – but it was really fun because there was a connection and there was laughter and we couldn't talk to each other. Like <laughs> right. we just couldn't. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, which, you know, yeah, we have all this technology that helps us to try to speak in these languages, but it is true that it doesn't always completely, you know, we don't always completely succeed. Right. I was thinking about my time in Japan and having some similar experiences. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, 
trying and being, I think what you were saying about laughing and just, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I actually can get kind of shy about trying to speak a language. Um, my husband, however, has none of that. He will go out and he doesn't care if people laugh at him or whatever, but he will connect with everyone. And he doesn't know yeah, what he's saying. That's great. I think so good that, that you attitude. have a travel partner like <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, but okay. So just to wrap up, um, I mean, you're doing, again, sort of unusual yet amazing work. And I think that's the thing. I have to even be careful as I say that. I think sometimes the idea is like, oh, that's great. She figured that out. I don't know. I don't think I could do that. But those lucky few who manage to create these lives where they do these things like travel around a lot. Um, it's like, wait a minute. No, maybe I could do that, you know, and getting inspired by it instead of saying, oh, yeah, well, that will never happen. Mm -hmm. So if you were to talk to someone like me or, you know, you talk about how you coach people, um, mm -hmm. if you were to say, well, yeah, so so here you are, you've got this idea of wanting to travel more in your mm -hmm. life and you're not mm -hmm. exactly sure how you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. What would you... What would be your advice or what would be like some of your top tips to just mm -hmm. getting through that inertia and just starting something? Yeah. So a couple of things I would say. First, I would say, um, I'm going to ask you, where do you want to go? And then I'm going to engage you in a conversation about dreaming about why you want to go there mm. and what that might be like. And um, I think that, uh, you know, the... First of all, it's, and it doesn't mean like you have to come up with the plan, but like just actually envisioning and imagining and engaging in that creative process of, okay, I'd like to do this thing. I've never done it before because probably underneath that is a desire and some fear and a story about how it won't work or it can't and you can't figure it out and all that. But the real truth is that like the logistics are just the logistics and so I think it's really being in conversation with the desire and the dream to do something like travel or to, the dream to say, okay, how could I spend, you know, half my time here or, or here? You know, I had this dream that I wanted to spend half my time in, in New York. And uh, so I had an apartment in New York for a year. And I'm over it now. It's like having a bad <laughs> boyfriend who takes all your money and, you know, but you have like a great time on the weekends, right. you know. But, but, um, uh, you know, but I had to imagine it first. I had to think about it first. And I'm not talking about like making a vision board and sitting on the couch. I'm, I'm really <laughs> talking about, you know, like getting underneath the desire to do something and then, and, and getting really clear about that dream and then beginning to say, and what would that look like? How could we create that? You know, um, really quick. I had a client who had a high level, very stressful global position based in New York. And she'd done that work for many years. She lived in Singapore. She'd live in Australia. She was in New York and we started a coaching relationship with each other. And, um, we were talking about like, what was her next move? What was she going to do? We were getting ready to spend some time together. And then right before we got off the phone one day, she said, well, there's this other thing. And I said, okay, well, what is it? And she said, well, I actually have a background in um, hotel and restaurant management, and I've always wanted to open my own cafe hmm. back in Ireland. I said, well, let's just put it on the list. <laughs> and um, the cool news is that now she has um, been the sponsor and owner of two pop-ups in Dublin. Wow. And um, and she's the one who's co-hosting my women's workshop over in, um, okay. in, in, not in New York, in Ireland. So, but that had to start with a dream. It had to start with this desire that maybe we don't even want to say out loud. Yeah. Like, I want to go to Paris. <laughs> you know, like you whisper it, like, I want to go to Paris. 
And um, and then and then to just be in conversation about it. Yeah. Love it. I love the simplicity of let's put it on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the the great conversation and advice and thoughts. Um, I really got a lot out of um, everything you shared and I feel actually really inspired. Um, So thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. And thank you because, you know, what you're doing is you're kind of being a you're kind of being a dream catcher for people who want to travel and want to travel in ways that are creative and imaginative and nourishing. And, uh, you know, if if not now, when? Because um, we need we need to have conversations with one another and with people in different countries in different ways. And so thanks for the work you're doing. Absolutely. Oh, and before I forget, where can we find you? Your website? Ah, uh, yes. You can find me at LibbyWagner.com, just LibbyWagner.com, and StudioLeadership.com. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. If you're interested in hearing other stories from women who have found creative ways to travel more for less, then I invite you to explore other Globetrotter Lounge podcast episodes at theglobetrotterlounge.com. And if you want a breakdown of the way that I've personally saved over $90,000 in travel costs, be sure to download a copy of the Globetrotter Roadmap to Free Travel. You can get it for free from roadmaptofreetravel.com. And if you're ready to dive even deeper into the world of travel hacking through credit card signup bonuses, you'll want to check out my online course, Jet Set 101, Becoming a Travel Hacker. It will teach you exactly how to start turning regular household spending into hundreds of thousands of airline miles and hotel points without damaging your credit score or going into debt. You can get more info at jetset101course.com. And if you just want to learn more about me, read my blog posts and get travel tips, subscribe to my email list, then go ahead and visit jetsetlizette.com. That's jetsetlizette.com. Thanks again for listening.